Hello! I'm tempted to say good morning, but I don't know what time of day you're tuning in to this week's edition of the Red-Headed Preacher Podcast. This is for Sunday, February 6th, 2022, the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, but more importantly for St. Peter's, it is the service of installation of our newly elected or re-elected officers of the church and members of the boards of the church. So they were elected or re-elected at our annual meeting. This Sunday they are duly installed. We are also celebrating Holy Communion. So the sermon is a bit about, it's really about the gospel lesson, but it talks about being installed and also the valuable work done by those who are not installed and may have been, but are no longer serving in those kinds of ministries. The gospel readings read by Rich Schneider uh, are, excuse me, the scripture readings are Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 8 and Luke 5 verses 1 through 11. And coming out of those passages, I will bring a message called Conditions for a Miracle, Installed or Not. It is a brief message because with an installation and communion, a preacher wants to be brief because there is so much else in the service. So I hope you will enjoy this message and may God bless you as you listen to this. Here we go, Rich. Our first reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah. This passage, Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8, is referred to as the call of Isaiah. It is also the inspiration for our hymn, Holy, 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 and some of the imagery in the book of Revelation. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This ends the reading from Isaiah. The second reading is also the gospel lesson. It is from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Isaiah thought he was unworthy in God's presence. And here is another reaction in the holy presence and miraculous workings of God. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, 
and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Here ends the reading from Luke and the scripture for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, the word of God for the people of God. Mere seconds ago, we installed our board members and church officers, and I said, these people have been called by God and have accepted their call and are before us in witness to their willingness to serve. Both Isaiah and the disciples were also called, one to be a prophet and the fishermen to do as Jesus told them, which led to their choice to be disciples. So that miracle story of the fish is also called the call of the disciples in Luke. We really get the understanding of that in the last line Rich read. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Well, in that second call story, Jesus performed a miracle which required, seems to have required their cooperation. Those installed may feel a bit like it is now upon them to do miracles. If that is the case, realizing that the Lord is the ultimate source of miracles, let me share with you some insights from the late great Scottish preacher and commentator William Barclay. The conditions of a miracle, he tells us, begin with what he calls the eye that sees. In this case, it was Jesus' eye for the fish. Now, these were not just a bunch of individually darting fish, but a school or shoal of fish. A shoal of fish is, quote, a large number of fish swimming together as a group. In the lake of Gennesaret, there were phenomenal shoals which covered the sea as if it were for as much as an acre. Most likely, he says, Jesus' keen eye saw just such a shoal and his keen sight made it look like a miracle. Jesus didn't create the fish. So, our Scottish friend suggests, the condition for a miracle is the eye that really sees. And he gives examples beyond that of Jesus. And in a little bit of a different way, he says, he gives it as an example, many people saw steam raise the lid from a kettle when the waters boiled, but James Watts went on to think of a steam engine. Many people saw an apple fall from a tree, only Isaac Newton went on to think of the law of gravity with such inspiration. 
The earth is full of miracles for the eye that sees. Perhaps the same is true for church ministries. Then there is the spirit that will make an effort. If Jesus said it, tired as he was, Simon was prepared to try again. England's George Caird went on to opine, the point of his story, meaning Luke, the point of his story is Jesus' miraculous influence with dispirited men, wearied by a night of pointless toil, profitless toil, excuse me, wearied by a night of profitless toil. These were the men Jesus needed as disciples, men disciplined by labor and hardship, but with the impetuous loyalty to say, if you give the order, I will do it. Peter was willing to try again, despite his righteous fatigue. For many, the tragedy of life can be that some people give up just one effort too soon. The third condition of a miracle is similar to the second. Barclay wrote that, quote, there is a spirit which will attempt what seems hopeless. The night was past, and that was the time for fishing. All the circumstances were unfavorable, but Peter said, paraphrasing, let circumstances be what they may. If you say so, we will try again. Too often, we wait because the time is not opportune. If we wait for the perfect set of circumstances, we will never begin at all. If we want a miracle, he says, we must take Jesus at his word when he bids us, attempt the impossible. A lot of life is timing. And the choices made by our perception of the timing before us. Paul McCartney, in his 1989 album, Flowers in the Dirt, did a song called This One that's all about this. And right now I don't have the wind to try to sing the lyrics, but here's the part of the song. Did I ever take you in my arms, look you in the eye, tell you that I do? Did I ever open up my heart and let you look inside? If I never did it, I was only waiting for a better moment that didn't come. There never could be a better moment than this one, this one. What opportunities did we allow to flow by, feeling like the timing wasn't quite right? What kind of magic might have worked if we had stayed calm? Couldn't I have given you a better life? So let us not give in to hopelessness, which tells us the time is not right if the spirit of the risen Christ tells us otherwise. This, in addition to the eye that really sees, and the spirit that will make an extra effort despite weariness combines to create conditions for God to make miracles. I am not implying that St. Peter's folk do not already have the eye that really sees or do not go the extra mile when tired and who do not sometimes spit in the face of hopelessness and questionable timing to the extent that you and I do. Let us be aware and be good stewards of these gifts. And let me also remind us, as I come to a close, that as, even as we have installed these members as officers and members of boards, much of what this church does 
is not board driven specifically. The rummage and bake sale, feeding the hungry through AGES harvest, collecting winter clothing and cookies for the night ministry, holding a pet blessing, being open and affirming, do not directly come under the auspices of a board that is installed. Com committees, yes, in a lot of these cases, but not necessarily boards. Which means to say, just because some are not installed or have stepped down after years from serving as an officer or on a board, we are all still part of the conditions that can make for miracles. When we face intractable issues, some outside our doors, like the rash of bomb threats against historically black colleges and universities, and the anti-Semitic desecrations that even went on in my neck of Chicago last week or two weeks ago, attempts to overturn proper elections and spread lies about diseases and vaccines. We have at least this. Those installed and those not installed are servants of Jesus, called and able to serve God in this miracle business by developing those eyes that really see by cultivating and modeling the spirit which makes the extra efforts even when weary, and by not always waiting for the right time, which may never come, but do as the Lord beckons, hopelessness though it may seem, when so called. That is good news for all of us and the world, which so needs the message that the church brings. Amen. Hello. I'm tempted to say good morning, but I don't know what time of day you're tuning in to this week's edition of the Red-Headed Preacher Podcast. This is for Sunday, February 6th, 2022, the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, but more importantly for St. Peter's, it is the service of installation of our newly elected or re-elected officers of the church and members of the boards of the church. So they were elected or re-elected at our annual meeting. This Sunday they are duly installed. We are also celebrating Holy Communion. So the sermon is a bit about, it's really about the gospel lesson, but it talks about being installed and also the valuable work done by those who are not installed and may have been, but are no longer serving in those kinds of ministries. The gospel readings read by Rich Schneider uh, are excuse me, the scripture readings are Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8, and Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. And coming out of those passages, I will bring a message called Conditions for a Miracle, Installed or Not. It is a brief message because with an installation and communion, a preacher wants to be brief because there is so much else in the service. So I hope you will enjoy this message, and may God bless you as you listen to this. Here we go, Rich.